Just recently, I watched a couple document, well, a lot of documentaries. I don't know why I've been on such a kick of North Korea. Uh, and it's not so much that even. It's just kind of um, human rights activism. Act, mm. Activism. Mm-hmm. Activist. Um, and I all started, my dad recommended a uh, 60 Minutes, like, short clip about a guy who had uh, been in uh, a North Korean labor camp and in north korea they uh just a little back story the communist country um basically if you do anything to say anything negative about their leader uh you go to a work camp which is a concentration camp and you go for three generations so your family for three generations lines are going to be in this work camp and then that you're going to be dead so um and a lot of these work camps, uh, the one I heard about, it had close to 100,000 people in it. And it had been um, – everybody in there pretty much were – didn't commit the crimes that they were in there for. Like it all had been their grandfather or father. And so nobody knew – which I found it amazing this guy didn't know. He thought – he didn't know what existed outside of the camps. And he thought, you know, in life – that you're either born a prisoner or you're born a guard. Like, those are the two options of to be. That's what you can either be, a prisoner or a guard. Anyways, um, North Korea is an extremely communist country and whatnot, and they've been, been so for 50 years. Um, but what I kind of want to talk about is it raised a lot of questions in me as far as it's hard to think that because I always thought of, like, Nazi Germany as something of the past, which for the most part it is. Um, but this North Korea thing was like, no, it's really actually, it's real comparable. The concentration camps of Nazi Germany are comparable to the work camps of North Korea. Um, I mean, maybe not as bad, but we're real close to it, you know. And so... It, to know that that's going on in a daily life as we sit in 2012 is it makes me wonder as a Christian duty is it okay for me just to pray for them and then wipe my hands of it is that what I'm expected to do or I mean there's not a lot I can do and I realize that because I I'm a poor kid in Arizona, and there's not really much I can do. But, you know, as a, as a big picture, what are we supposed to do? Uh, what is our rights or what is our responsibility as Christians or as Americans living in a super country or as um, just human beings in general when people are being tortured like this, you know? Um do you have anything insight on that? Especially Christianity, you know, like, I don't know, just, I don't want to make prayer sound like it's not important, but, because it is, but you almost feel bad for like, well, I'll pray for them. Like, to me, that seems like, it's hard to swallow that, you know, like, that's it, that's what we're going to do, we're going to pray for them, move on, you know, good luck. 
I don't know. I just feel bad. But I think you start there. I think the prayer is the very least you can do about the situation. Because I do believe that prayer is effective. But mm-hmm. there's multiple levels of, of response. I do think that God's ultimate purpose is to set people free. <coughs> to give them value as an individual and as a community. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously being opposed by incarceration on a scale that you're talking about. So is it, is it part of the Christian you know, uh, message responsibility to, to work against that? Yes. I also believe that the church as a whole is big enough to conquer these sort of problems. It doesn't happen overnight, obviously, and it doesn't happen um, maybe as immediately as we might like in some situations. But I also believe that the church as a whole is large enough and has enough resources to be able to tackle a problem like, like this. So when, it, when you go to that level, I think that we should be accomplishing something. And sometimes it's awareness. Like if you don't know there's a problem, you don't work against it. Mm-hmm. So one of the first steps is often just making people aware. And maybe that's where our individual responsibility comes in mm-hmm. you know we just have to yeah you can only accomplish what you're able to <laughs> accomplish as an individual and so the first step might just be simply um, if you feel the conviction if you feel the urge that you need to do something about it then you have to kind of spread the message you have to begin to talk about it and that's how an individual can affect change it's not by you flying to North Korea and protesting it's you know that would be that's one person against the the system may not be effective but you can you can create a movement by making people aware by standing up for what's right by by gathering uh, people around you that are like-minded and and then you can get to a place where where you might be able to accomplish something and awareness is important um i just got in a discussion with a friend who had watched one of the documentaries and um it's all about this these uh it was a dutch document one of the many documentaries i watched was a dutch documentary about taking a comedy they went over pretending to be a comedy troupe and they worked with north koreans for like 10 days or so and put on a show and it was um when you go to North Korea, you have a person that follows you the entire time. They go to your house when you, before you leave, like wherever country, like if you're leaving from Denmark, the person goes to Denmark, they go to the country with you, and then they fly back with you. So, I mean, you're under constant surveillance. Um, and this person in this movie, you kind of get to know, in the documentary, you kind of get to know the person that they were with. Her name was Mrs. Pack, and she, like, um, was throughout the whole movie and you kind of uh, after the movie's out I read some stuff I'm almost guaranteed that Mrs. Pack is now in a in a work camp you know not for any she didn't say anything negative but just to let that get by her you know uh, to let all that stuff get by her and it made me think is, does it make the documentary work it, worth it because now this person is going to spend the rest of her life in a concentration camp you know and i finally kind of and you'd have to watch it and make the decision for yourself um but i the reason i'm telling this story is because the importance of getting the word out there i think so because 
I mean, knowledge is important and making people aware of things. And I think North Korea does a really good job of not making people aware of things. Like the pictures that they use, is they're all like 40 to 50 years old. Whenever you see a, a news report, even the 60 Minutes report, the only thing they had was Google Maps to show pictures of where things are at. You know, so they do a really good job of not keeping or keeping the public out. Um, so any chance that you do have to make people aware of what is really going on, um, is important. And, um, another interesting thing you said, the church has the difference to make, or, you know, the church could make a difference. I believe that I, I really do believe that the church could make a difference in situations like that. And that's not the only situation I'm just, and that's, you know, I don't want to specifically talk about North Korea, even though it's kind of hard for me not to, because that's the one I kind of watch the most about. But, um, there's a lot of people that escape North Korea and I watched another documentary about that and the main un, kind of unhung, unsung heroes were the Christian Church of China which is already a place where it's not necessarily you know it's a new thing to be a Christian church in China their i mean their religion is very they don't have religious rights like we do is what I'm trying to say. But the Christians are the ones that house the North Koreans that come over and they all know that. Everybody it's known. It's a known thing. So that, you know, the documentary is talking about all these, like, underground churches that hide North Korea. It's just a whole other world of, like, you know, going on that it's always really hard to think about. <laughs> and I think if you looked at trouble spots around the world, there's a good chance that it's, it is Christians that are at work in those places. Look at, the, you know, the sex trade in Thailand. Who is trying to make effective change there? Christian missionaries are the ones that are at work in those places. You know, who went to Haiti after um, the earthquake? There were some some high-profile agencies in the U.N. and all of that. But who's still there after all this time, you know, trying to make a difference? It's Christian missionaries. You can, you can almost guarantee that in these trouble spots that you're talking about, there are Christians at work. So one of the jobs I think that that the church needs to do a better, uh, better at is maybe figuring out ways to connect all of these things. Like if you have a passion to help out, how can you help with what's already going on and be involved in that? You know, there's, there's something to, to that too. Um, and I think at an individual level, we get involved when we feel the conviction that it's the, the task, it's the job, it's the, it's the problem that God is asking us to to tackle, to deal with, to mm-hmm. get involved with. I think the, uh, you know, like you're saying, I think I'm hearing you say, what is our responsibility <clears throat> from a Christian perspective? And it made me think of a couple of scriptures. There's one that talks about it's a sin not to do something when you know that it's within your power to do it, to help someone. Uh, and I also you know, kind of flashed on the verse that uh, uh, pure religion undefiled is this. It's to take care of widows and orphans. And then also just the idea of feeding the poor. You know, there are certain, in, you know, things that, tasks that, that we as Christians have been given because that's the heart of God is to take care of the displaced and the widows and the orphans and stuff. Having said that, what is our responsibility? I think that the kingdom advances along relational lines, always. There's the aspect, as you guys have both mentioned already, the aspect of prayer. 
And, you know, let's not discount prayer uh, right. because prayer is the one thing that we have on this earth as human beings that allows us to transcend time and space, the time and space continuum. When we pray, we actually lift ourselves or we are actually lifted out of the circumstances and stuff that we're in, and we're operating in a realm that is greater than that. Because it is, you know, it's like the hand of God could just abolish all sin throughout the earth, (laughs) but he's not going to because of the free choice that he's given mankind. And so it's that process. But I do believe that the praying church, the interceding church, when we became when we become aware, like just as you're explaining it, I can tell your heart is picked up a little burden for North Korea, you know, through watching those things. And you know, I believe that God kind of was in. You know, there's something of the divine of that you're you know involved there. So you're thinking about it, you're praying about it, and that's doing something. But then the second idea about uh, the kingdom advances along relational lines. There are social issues just like those that are with a lot more within our purview because like Matt said we can't we can't fly to Korea you know or maybe you know some people can because some people have relation links that will get them there mm-hmm. now I've heard about it this morning as you know uh, you mentioned it to me the other day I don't think I'm going to be going there but it's not that I don't have a heart for it you know right. I do but then there's also there is that we're limited we're limited by our space and our time you know what i mean there's certain things that i can do and certain things that i can't do i can uh reach out to the poor around me i can take care of widows and orphans you know i can when i become aware of things that are in my purview uh i can do something to help if it's within my power to do so those are the things i can do so i think we do have a a responsibility I completely agree with everything you said. Um, and I kind of think I'm divulging into the question of... I, I just didn't think things were that bad. You know, that bad. And, and I think the worst example in my head of things going on in the world would probably be Haiti. I always heard that was kind of like the worst. And this is like way worse than Haiti. You know, not on a poverty level i mean but just on a human it's a problem it's a different problem Mm -hmm. but um it's it's a horrible one so it kind of like put the thought in my head of like how bad does something have to be before somebody does something about it you know like what is what is the tipping point because to me i like the way they're described it is you know, it's the same, if not close to, a Nazi concentration camp. Um, I mean, these people never been full. You know, they just don't know how to eat. I mean, the whole nine. So, like, it's well, Nazi Germany went pretty far before somebody did something about somebody it. did right. intervene eventually. Yeah, but it went pretty far. And in North Korea, I, it's just leaking out. Like, didn't you say that the way we found out about this was? The one guy ever to ever escape alive escaped, right. and then they found out about it, and they began to build a documentary around it to raise awareness of it. Right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So it is kind of, I think, new territory. And I guess 
I kind of need to remind myself of that because I don't think that way for some reason, you know, because I know everybody else knows, you know. Yeah. Strangely, those Nazi concentration camps weren't actually known about until the Germans were defeated and the camps were discovered by soldiers, and they were completely shocked. There had been rumors of it, but they were completely overwhelmed by the reality of it, having had no um, warning, you know, no preparation for it. Me and Johnny, my roommate, last night were talking about, he asked me if I'd ever cried at a movie. What, was, what were we watching? I can't remember. Oh. Beaches. No, he asked me, he's like, he's like, have you ever cried in a movie? And I, Old and he's like, and he said he'd never cried at a movie ever before. I was like, yeah, I've cried. I remember when I was a kid, just the humor. I had cried at my girl when I was like 11 years old when the girl dies. And I just, I had never cried at a movie before. I got home from school and like, I was tired and I was laying on the couch watching a movie after school. And like, I started bawling and my mom walks in and was like what's wrong with you like i had never cried in a movie in my life but the only other time i remember crying at a movie is is um band of brothers when the americans discover the concentration camps i couldn't imagine what that would be like to be already on the battlefield but to walk into a aborted concentration camp uh, just, and I remember just they, the way that, they, you know, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks did the movie and, yeah. or the show. And so it was, it was very lifelike. And, um, but, you know, to think that things are going on like that today, yeah. I mean, is astounding. And I, you know, beyond North Korea, I mean, I lose sleep about <laughs> our clothes being made overseas and, you know, just, there's all kinds of wrong, you know, other than North Korea. Uh, these things that are made over, overseas, particularly. Um, but, um, I don't know. So, <laughs> but I was just, I, I thought it was funny. Well, I think that. You know, where does one, where does a Christian start? It, if we acknowledge, number one, that we have responsibility, then number two, where do we start? How do we get involved? And I think, you know, as we become aware of any social situation that we can be involved with, uh, you know, because the church has gone back and forth. There are certain segments of the church that get really involved with social issues, and that's their ministry, and that's what they're all about. And there's others that not so much. But let's say we became aware of something, anything. I do think the very first thing is beginning to commit it to prayer and asking God. And I know this goes without saying, and it seems so simple, but sometimes just stating the obvious, you know, is a, is a good anchor. And I think that just praying and saying, God, this, I know your heart for this, and begin to pray God's heart for it. Pray for release and pray for healing and pray for insight and pray for help. And we begin to do that. And then also asking God, Lord, show me, what should I do? What should I do? And he will show you because he is, you know, he's behind everything. And he uh, arranges the people in the body as he so desires. And he also arranges the resources of the kingdom of God to deal with things and to take care of things. And, you know, 
whatever your resource is of time of sped, spreading the word of telling people about it or writing on a blog or like today we're talking on a podcast about it. there might be someone who hears this for the first time and has never heard about it i just heard about it for the first time the other day when you're at my house and you know it's like so now we can pray and seek the lord and say lord what should we do what would you have me do because like to me you said earlier you said i just i'm just feeling bad about it you know and I think because your heart is a compassionate heart and you're going to start feeling better about it as God shows you what to do because then you can begin to do the things he's asked you to do and release to him, you know, the outcome of that. You know, and you'll still feel that heart of compassion, but at least you won't feel guilty like, oh, man, I'm a slacker. I'm not doing anything, you know, because mm-hmm. we can do what we can do, but that's all we can do. Right. And prayer is important. I don't think that anything is accomplished in the kingdom of God except by prayer first. But um, I think it comes back to something that we've, another way of saying it, and is something that we've talked a lot about, is just when you are presented with the with the opportunity to do something, you just immediately pray if this is this is the situation that you're supposed to get involved in. You know, we have, we have recently, John, you and I together, things, you know, like halfway house and uh, uh, African refugees. I mean, there's different things that we've gotten involved in because they've been presented to us and we've felt, yeah, we should do something here. And it doesn't always last forever, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't, but for right now you can say, yeah, this is, this is something that I should do. And that's, that should be our constant prayer, I think when you're presented with something new, when you meet somebody, when you see a problem, it's always, Lord, I want to pray about this. I know that, I know that this is important. It's part of your kingdom. I mean, God wants these people to be free. He wants them to come to a relationship with him. But as a church, as a whole, we have to handle that. And the only way to do that is if every one of us is willing to do the part that God assigns to us, that he asks us to take care of. Um, one last question. Are they, um, they have, they treat their leader like God. And I think that was used over and over again by, on different documentaries. I, can, I think that'd be the one constant is that everybody equates the dictator, Kim, whatever, to God. And they really do treat him. I, they treat him better than God. Cause every time they go into a room, they bow to him or, you know, they treat him. They treat him better than I treat God. Uh, now, a lot of them don't even know Christianity. I know this is an obvious question for me and for other people, but just for the sake of a podcast, uh, people there that um, aren't faced with Christianity, they die and go to heaven, or do they? What do you think happens to someone who's not? I mean, I think that's a part of the world that is not being reached by Jesus. Like, there's people's lives there that go their whole life without hearing the name Jesus. Um, someone like that, when they die, does the Bible say anything about happens when they die? Or do you believe that they die? And I mean, I obviously believe someone who can't be held responsible for Christ, or being a, uh, following Jesus if they've never been introduced to him. The, uh, that's a, a difficult question to answer. That's a question I was asked to me. I don't think there is a definitive answer that we can agree on throughout Christianity. When you ask a question 
like that because there's so many you can you can come up with extreme examples if you want mm-hmm. and try and figure out well would this person be saved or would that person be saved so rather than you know get specific which i think is almost impossible with a question right. like that right my general answer is that god is the judge and he's fair and he judges based upon whatever has been revealed to you and he knows he knows whatever has been revealed to you and for some people it may be you know a concept of god but without the specific knowledge of jesus christ and mm-hmm. i think that he judges fairly based upon what you were made aware of mm-hmm. i don't know how it works in terms of salvation and and heaven and all of that but i am confident that god god does <laughs> that god knows and that god god can judge fairly because clearly you know, if theoretically someone could live their entire life without any knowledge of Jesus Christ, but had never had the opportunity to be presented with that, it would be unfair. I mean, I could I could argue it would be unfair for God to condemn that person. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that. But the trouble with that general answer is that it leads to other general problems, too. Like, say someone lives their life as a good person. Buddhist or a good Muslim Mm -hmm. and they're never made aware, but they're, you know, by their practice, they're doing things that the average Christian would consider to be Mm unchristian, non-Christian, you know, or, or take it, it, would that person be judged as unsaved if they never had an opportunity to, to know Jesus Christ yet they were a very faithful, you know, practitioner of their own culture, their own faith. I don't know. I mean, it gets really sticky at that point. So I just have to, instead of trying to figure it out for myself, I just fall back upon knowing that God is the judge. God knows how to judge. He's merciful and he's gracious and he's fair. And he'll do what whatever is right. And I would be content with that when I get to heaven. I'll be content knowing that God has judged everybody fairly, but I don't know how it's all going to play out, to be honest. Because I do believe that... That the Bible speaks that there's only really one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I guess there's just a lot of ways that you can approach Jesus Christ, though, is part of the confusion, right? right. There's a lot of paths yeah. that can yeah. lead you to him. And at yeah. what point are you, have you really been presented with that knowledge of Jesus? Yeah. yeah. If Rob Bell was sitting here with us, his answer would be yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I do believe that God is is so powerful that in the same way that, you know, Paul, you know, along the road, you know, God revealed himself to him. And we've, you know, the transfiguration. There have just been so many examples in the Bible of, of Jesus Christ revealing himself to people. And, you know, and missionaries love to tell stories of... Uh, you know things that they've heard out in the mission field yeah, of yeah, uh, like revelations yeah, of Jesus, Jesus revealing himself to people that just you know and aborigine uh, tribes in the deepest of the darkest jungles you know and stuff like that does happen mm-hmm. and i believe that because god does so love the world that he gave his only begotten son that that, that none should perish i believe like as, as matt saying god is just and everyone will have an opportunity in one way or another to choose or reject. Mm-hmm. Would you go so far as to say that opportunity could be after death? 
Because that's kind of where mm. the modern day argument is. Yeah, Can yeah, that, yeah. What if that one is opportunity the, was at the throne of yeah, Christ after yeah, you die? Yeah. Is that little purgatory time? Is there, you know, <laughs> in that little time, space time continuum, is there an opportunity? Yeah, I'm totally open to that. You know, that it's like, oh, when a person breathes their last, last breath, oh my God, that's it. He's in hell right now. Look, that grimace on his face, you know. No, I don't believe that. Yes, I would be open to that. That's where I see the mercy of God at work because, you know, we we would like it to be clean and easy. But but the truth is God knows exactly what that person's gone through, what they've experienced, what has been done to them that might have affected, you know, clouded their decisions and all of that. And, And God knows how well they've lived their life in response to all of those things. So. And, you know, the other thing, too, is we, in our limited, finite human ability to understand things, think, oh, it has to be this way. Yeah. There's this, I get this opportunity, like playing cards or something. I have this decision what to do. Well, we don't know how God works by his spirit in the lives and in the hearts and in the spirit of another man. You know, there could mm-hmm. be some kind of, you know, crazy magic you know that that becomes available at certain times you know i'm you know being ludicrous for effect but you know that there could be ways that god reveals himself to people and gives them that opportunity to surrender to him that we don't even know of because just because we've never experienced it yeah mm-hmm. yeah just like uh other solar systems and other planets and other life forms is that there is there <laughs> well say there was <laughs> yeah <laughs> say there were life forms on another planet sentient life forms like humans when the bible talks about you know the sins affecting all of creation does that mean that it's you know the sins of our planet have a cosmic effect on on a theoretical life form on another planet I guess, you know, that's that's kind of, <laughs> I think. <laughs> the podcast just took a turn for the deep. Could that. <sighs> See, and I, I don't know. I don't know. It, obviously, it's all theoretical, but you begin to think. How, how much could aliens change it? Like, if there was, like, another world with people on it, how much could that change Christianity? I think it would cause a major rethink of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. 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 What if it was just, okay, here's a hypothetical situation. We look into another solar system. We see a planet of a, of humans, but they're, we're unable to reach it. And they're, they're, they're not as, what I'm trying to say is they're like Indians, like Native Americans, like living off the land, you know, like just. Like we know there's humans. Type situation. Yeah. They just happen to have a but body that looks like a machine of some kind. Yeah. Avatar situation. What's the question? <laughs> How much would that change religion? Like, would that just completely 180 Christianity? Oh, I don't know. But I don't. We don't have to answer that, to be honest. And and you know, to some extent, this question about we life may. after death. Well, yeah, but when we, if we have to, we will. That's the that's the point. But to some extent, this whole question about life after death is also a logical fallacy. Because the truth is, it's a it's called a, a fallacy of of the extreme. 
you can come up with an extreme example of something and try to undermine somebody's argument or argue from the extreme. And the truth is that it's generally hypothetical when you do that. And yeah. so the, the truth is it's a fallacy because it's not reality. Yeah. <laughs> really, the solution is deal with, deal with the problems that are yeah. real, the problems that you're presented with, yeah. and don't argue from the hypothetical. Yeah. For those of you that are still with us in this podcast, <laughs> we would love to, for you to respond and, and write to us and tell us what you think about this. We would love some input. Birds pass by to tell me that I'm not alone. Well, I'm pushing myself to finish this part and handle a lot. One thing I miss. Attachments, yeah, land on the ground. One thing I miss.